Welcome to another episode of the Black Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Shaka the God. Um, kind of back from a hiatus. I know it's been a minute since I posted, you know, some good content or any content at all. Um, I'm back, back in full effect. You know, a lot been going on the last few months, and I'll be touching on it, you know, periodically, you know, throughout these podcasts as I continue this journey of, you know, giving my point of view and uh, just trying to be more consistent with, you know, my posting and my programming. But the first issue that I want to address is uh this Travis Scott, you know, his views on Mike Brown. And uh, I'm going to let you hear a clip, and then I'm going to come back with my commentary. And Mike Brown was just like an evil person, but I'm not saying he was perfect either. And I'm not saying he deserved to get killed. He didn't. But I'm not, I'm not saying that he didn't deserve to, like, you know, get, like, pay for consequences that he probably inflicted. See, that's what's, like, wrong with black people, man. Like, I feel like, man, just, like, in culture in general, man, like, once something happens, no one, like, knows how to move on without just, like, causing, like, a disruption. Mm. There's no, like, peace value. And I know we're, like, fed up, quote-unquote, with just, like, whatever's going on in culture, but it's, like, at the same time, you just got to stop putting yourself in positions where you just continuously having. So there you have it, folks. You heard it for yourself. Travis Scott said Mike Brown was deserving of some kind of retribution for his actions. And as we all know, he paid for those actions with his life. Is Travis Scott wrong or is he right? In my point of view, I think Travis Scott is a lost young brother. You know what I'm saying? He laying up with the Armenian bitches, you know, having biracial children. You know, he's been blessed to make... um millions of dollars entertaining, you know, the powers that be, you know, shook buck dancing and smiling and wearing all the little cute hairstyles and shit and the cute little jewelry, you know, basically, you know, being a sambo, you get what I'm saying? You know, um, just another example of, you know, the Kardashian effect, you know, they get with these wannabe white women and, um, they basically, lose their identity, they lose themselves. You get what I'm saying? And knowing if him and this girl ever break up, she gonna take his ass to the bank and clean him out. You get what I'm saying? But right now, you know, he's evidently a lost young man and I'm ashamed to say he's from, you know, my neck of the woods of Houston, Texas, man. You know, the deep south. But uh, the guy just is out of touch with reality. You know what I'm saying? Real talk. I mean, especially when he was saying... We got to stop putting ourselves in situations. What kind of situations? There's no situation you could put yourself out of, you know, being because you black. Everything in this world is against you, in this system of white supremacy. You know what I'm saying? Everything is against you, you know. Everybody running around the city of my hometown. Oh, he did this. He brought back Astroworld. No, if you want to be honest, he stole the Astroworld concept from Beat King. You know what I'm saying? Beat King got out Astroworld 1 and 2. And Beat King go harder than Travis Scott. In my eyes, he a real Studywood nigga. You feel what I'm saying? He a real hood nigga. Shit, Travis Scott went to college and dropped that. You know what I'm saying? He's a fake-ass Houston nigga. All these niggas out here be dick riding this boy. That nigga don't even stand Houston. Probably don't even got no houses out here. The nigga live in California. He act like a California nigga. You know what I'm saying? Fuck Travis Scott and his fucked up views. Little bitch-ass nigga. You know what I'm saying? And he got clown when Troy, you know, Tory Lanez 
got on his ass, wanted to square up, that nigga was running. But anyway, back to the topic, man. The niggas are coon, you know, fuck all coons, death to all them motherfuckers, raccoon ass nigga, shock of the guard. And that's my view on the situation. He don't speak for us in the black community or in Houston, Texas. That's real talk. Do you hate all white people? I don't think it's a fair question. Uh, my edit, the white, my edit, the white man doesn't even come into my attitude. Uh, he, Mr. Muhammad, teaches us to love our own kind and let the white man take care of himself. For a white man today, sir, after uh, kidnapping millions of black people from Africa, stripping them of all human characteristics and relegating them to the role of chattel or cattle or animals, commodity, merchandise that could be bought and sold at will. Uh, and then a hundred years since the Emancipation Pro Proclamation, using every type of deceptive method to further us into slavery, uh, called second-class citizenship, I think that it would take a whole lot of nerve for white people today to ask Negroes do they hate them. So, continuing with the podcast, the next subject is going to be on Jacquees, the young R&B scrub, says he is the king of R&B from this generation or for this generation. And we're going to hear a little clip of Jacquees. Man, this shit is too funny, man. This shit is crazy. And then I will give my commentary on this uh stupendous or stupid-ass matter. Concerning rhythm and blues or the shuck and jive music. To me, yeah, to me, to me, me, he, 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 I mean, I'm talking about it too, but I just found the shit too hilarious, man. Like, these youngsters these days, man, they don't respect no elders. They don't respect they self. And half of these niggas is real feminine because they ain't grew up without daddies, you know what I'm saying? No male role models. I mean, this nigga running around with baby, you know what I'm saying? The cash money. And we all know he's funny, bunny. You know what I'm saying? Jacquees a little goddamn... Feminine looking ass, Lil Wayne looking ass nigga, man, you know. But this shit is a disgrace, man. This boy ain't shit. He probably got one platinum single, if that, you know. It's just the audacity, you know. I know you're supposed to have confidence in everything, but young fella, you ain't done nothing. You know what I'm saying? A couple hidden singles in the club, you know, with Dage Loaf and a few other people, you know. But other than that, boy, you ain't made no noise. You know, and the shit he did to Ski Sweat, man, that shit, man, I would have beat that boy ass if I was Keith Sweat, you know what I'm saying? Keith Sweat been singing about 30 years, man, I'm 40 years old, and that boy still singing, you know what I'm saying? So, shit, man, that nigga was on goddamn New Jack City, tearing it down, you know, with gunfire all around, even though it was just a movie. The nigga was, kept his cool, it was player though, you get what I'm saying? And that boy Jacquees on that on that new crack, man. They done gassed this boy up. He about to set his drawers on fire. And that's my commentary on Jacquees. As you could tell from that clip, though, boy has no vocal talent at all. You know what I'm saying? Outside of the studio. Boy can't hold a, a fucking note. You know what I'm saying? 
no falsetto or nothing, man. This boy is a clown. You know what I'm saying? See, little gay looking at little nigga, man. Real talk, man. This is what it is, man. These boys out here tripping. The king of R&B. You got motherfuckers like Usher, motherfucking Aaron Hall, Keith Sweat, Peebo Bryson, Luther Van Ross. Man, you got so many motherfuckers, man. Michael Jackson, like, man, this boy, Bobby Brown, this boy is on that crack, man. Man, that immature crack at that, man, that shit ain't even fully developed crack. You know what I'm saying? These boys on that new dumb shit, man. Shit, them with them shucking, buck dancing ass niggas, man. All they doing is singing and dancing, running and catching balls and shit. They think they get some kind of props for that shit. Nigga, y'all niggas is some entertainers. Shit, are you not entertained looking ass niggas, man? These boys is tripping. But yeah, that youngster, man, these youngsters need to stop with the bullshit. Like I say, man, for somebody to get hurt or somebody get on, you know, career get ruined like a motherfucker. You wanna start to conceptualize the fact that you still enslaved, bitch ass no. Look at all you bitch ass niggas that's finna try to argue against this shit here. I ain't no motherfucking slave. Yes, you is, bitch ass nigga, and I'ma prove it to you too. You a slave mentally, bitch ass nigga. Bitch ass nigga ain't got no knowledge yourself of who you truly are, where you come from, or nothing, bitch ass nigga. You a slave spiritually, bitch ass nigga. Soon as you see this picture, you readily identify this as who, bitch ass nigga. You a slave economically, bitch ass nigga. Niggas don't produce or own anything. All you is is a consumer, bitch ass nigga. You a slave socially, bitch ass nigga. Niggas find anything to be separated behind. Niggas dying and killing behind some shit that don't even belong to them, bitch ass nigga. And whether you believe it or not, you still a slave physically. Try to leave this bitch without a passport, bitch ass nigga. Black superhero. Yeah, the next clip you about to hear is a little snippet from Beyonce in Africa, man. This shit is so dope and so beautiful for the culture. Check it out. Now, you heard it. That was the most, one of the most beautiful things I ever seen, you know, on tape. You know, that was beautiful. Those young ladies really was putting their heart into it. And it's always good when, you know, uh, American can reach back to the motherland and, you know, include them in some things. Because after all, we are the richest Africans in the world. And uh, we just need to take the lead sometimes. And it just touched my heart to see that. Now, the next clip you're about to hear is the brother Willie D talk about Jerry York. Now, apparently Jerry York beat the shit out of two cops and stole a patrol car and no shots was fired. Imagine that. What's up, family? Y'all ain't gonna believe this one. A 51-year-old man by the name of Jerry York of Pulaski County, Arkansas, was captured on video resisting arrest, beating the police with their own baton, and stealing their squad car 
and not one single shot was fired. You know damn well if Jerry was black, Jerry would be dead. The cops are not afraid. That's just the narrative they spin to get away with murder. That's the way they get down. So any of you out here who are thinking that the police is somehow just doing their job and they're just trying to make it home, if you still believe in that, your mama should be embarrassed and your daddy should have pulled out. Now see, Jerry York, of course he was white and he must have been a bad motherfucker because he uh, saw the video myself and he fucked them officers up and drove off and left whoever he was with in the car <laughs> under arrest, I guess. But uh, man, shit, if he would have been black, like Willard he said, that motherfucker would have been dead to rights like a motherfucker. And they would have made up some elaborate story about his criminal past his home life and how he grew up and shit. Shit funny as hell. White supremacist ass society we live in. What you're about to hear is the great James Baldwin, the prolific author. He makes a valid point to a cracker on some talk show. I like the clip, so I would like to share it. And you have more in common with a white author than you have with someone who's against all literature. So why must we always concentrate on color or religion or this? There are other ways of connecting men. I'll tell you this. When I left this country in 1948, I left this country for one reason only, one reason. I didn't care where I went. I might have gone to Hong Kong. I might have gone to Timbuktu. I ended up in Paris on the streets of Paris with $40 in my pocket on the theory that nothing worse could happen to me there than it already happened to me here. You talk about making it as a writer by yourself. You had to be able then to turn up all the antenna with which you live because once you turn your back on this society, you may die. You may die. And it's very hard to be a typewriter and concentrate on that if you're afraid of the world around you. The years I lived in Paris did one thing for me. They released me from that particular social terror, which was not the paranoia of my own mind, but a real social danger visible in the face of every cop, every boss, everybody. I don't know what most white people in this country feel, I can only include what they feel from the state of their institutions. I don't know if white Christians hate Negroes or not, but I know that we have a Christian church which is white and a Christian church which is, which is black. I know as Malcolm X once put it, it's the most segregated hour in American life is high noon on Sunday. That says a great deal for me about a Christian nation. It means that I can't afford to trust most white Christians and certainly cannot trust the Christian church. I don't know whether the labor unions and their bosses really hate me. That doesn't matter, but I know I'm not in their unions. I don't know if the real estate lobby is anything against black people, but I know the real estate lobbies keep me in the ghetto. I don't know if the Board of Education hates black people, but I know the textbooks that give my children to read and the schools that we have to go to. Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. What you're about to hear is an article about the relation of dollar stores when it relates to poor impoverished areas in communities and in cities. It's quite interesting. It has become an increasingly common story. A dollar store opens up in an economically depressed area with scarce healthy and affordable food options, sometimes with the help of local tax incentives. It advertises hard to beat low prices, but it offers little in terms of fresh produce and nutritious items, further trapping residents in a cycle of poverty and ill health. A recent research brief by the Institute of Local Self-Reliance, ILSR, a nonprofit supporting local economies, 
sheds light on the massive growth of this budget enterprise. Since 2001, outlets of Dollar General and Dollar Tree, which bought Family Dollar in 2015, have grown from 20,000 to 30,000 in number. Though these small box retailers carry only a limited stock of prepared foods, they're now feeding more people than grocery chains like Whole Foods, which has around 400-plus outlets in the country. In fact, the number of dollar store outlets nationwide exceeds that of Walmart and McDonald's put together, and they're still growing at a breakneck pace. That, ILSR says, is bad news. So, you heard the article. So, that simply means when you see these dollar stores starting to pop up in your community, you already know what time it is. They coming, and as the article said, there's few healthy items, you know, to be um, had at these kind of establishments. They're just there to um, keep you in the um, impoverished mind state, giving you um, impoverished goods and uh, impoverished service, I would imagine. So just be real skeptical of shopping at these kind of places. You know, after all, you're only paying a dollar and you shouldn't be feeding your family, you know, such low quality or grade or goods or whatever. You should eat as fresh as possible. You should, you know, eat as best you can because health is wealth. So, what you're about to hear is the article talking about the high school wrestler who had to cut his dreadlocks minutes before a match was to take place. He was told by the president's white referee that he would either cut his hair or he would forfeit the match. All right, check it out, and I'll come back with my commentary. A liar for a high school wrestler whose dreadlocks were cut off after a referee told him to lose the hairstyle or forfeit minutes before his match is suggesting the impromptu haircut was due in part to the referee's tardiness. Buena Regional High School wrestler Andrew Johnson, who is black, had a cover over his hair, but referee Alan Maloney, who is white, said that wouldn't do. Johnson won Wednesday's match but appeared visibly distraught. Dominic Spizzoli issued a statement Monday in which Andrew Johnson's parents said Maloney didn't attend the way in that day. They also say that when Maloney evaluated the teen before the match, he didn't raise any issues with the length of his hair or the need to wear a head covering. See, you heard the article, so... This is the type of thing that has to help black people realize that they are in, you know, prisoners of war status or still captives in this white premises society. You know, my advice to parents is if you have any children taking activity in sports, in high school, college or whatever, you need to make it your business to be at some of these events because you never know what kind of treatment your child is receiving from these people you know stop putting your trust in these people who don't look like you who don't have your customs who don't share your same traditions or same lineage or background this is just another example of white supremacy running rampant so what you're about to hear is a clip about the nation of islam taking money from the u.s government all right, Chris, this is quite something. $364,000 in contracts and awards from the U.S. Bureau of Prisons and the Department of Justice to the Nation of Islam between 2008 and 2019. That's a lot of our tax money funding Louis Farrakhan. It's a lot of our tax money to a guy who has said, and I quote, that Adolf Hitler was a very great man. He said uh, he called whites blue-eyed devils. Um, one of the people in his organization said, we don't allow white people in our meetings, period. Um, they're anti-Semitic. Uh, they believe that Israel caused 9-11. They, uh, they say that uh, Jews are the, quote, synagogue of Satan, that, uh, that uh, Jews were responsible for the slave trade and that they rigged the economic system against blacks. 
Now, the truth is that we shouldn't be too surprised that an Islamic organization shows up to be anti-Semitic, given that a study by Dr. Bill Warner of the Center for, uh, for the Study of Political Islam found that there was more Jew hatred in the core texts of Islam than in Mein Kampf. But this is going pretty far. I mean, this is money out of our paychecks every week, Chris. This is, you know, we work hard every week. We always see the huge chunk that the government takes out of our paycheck, which is hard enough as it is. But the idea that our money is going to pay for this, I mean, the point of this, they say that these grants to the Nation of Islam were for Nation of Islam religious services, Nation of Islam spiritual guide services, and Nation of Islam study services, and other related programming led by the organization's leaders. Um, that sounds like indoctrination for me, indoctrination that we are paying for. Exactly, Liz. Exactly right. Uh, I'd like your, your viewers to think about this. How long would it take you to earn $364,000? Now think about this. How long would it take you to pay $364,000 in federal taxes? Now think about that number of years, and for me it would be many years. That is how much uh, the federal government has spent to promote jihad in jail right see that clip shows that Farrakhan to me is with them people with them white folks with them crackers he's a double agent you get what I'm saying because if he was a real threat to the white supremacist system and white life as a whole he would be dead already look at King look at Malcolm um you can read about Patrice Lumumba Steve Bill Cole and a host of other greats that died at the hands of the white man because they wouldn't submit and they wouldn't sell out. Farrakhan is no doubt, in my mind, a sellout. Take it how you love it. Take it how you like. At this point, I'm just a real nigga stating facts. And that's the honest God truth. It's no way he been alive this long and he's not in cooperation with them folks. It's just not possible. The last and final clip for the episode will be a clip from Dr. Neely Fuller. If you don't know about this gentleman, I suggest you Google him, Amazon, um, YouTube. He's a very profound brother. He's retired from lecturing now, and he's worth looking into. His work is fantastic. And this is Shock of the God, and I'm out. Or the second. Now, the races, apparently, according to the evidence, have studied how people who are subject to them are motivated sexually. Now, uh, if a male is a boy, which you are a boy, you're a little boy when you're born, whatnot, and then you get to be a bigger boy, and whatnot, and at a certain point you reach what they call a certain degree of maturity, uh, which is decided according to the social system that you have at hand, uh, you're now entering the threshold of what they call manhood. So you go from boys to men. Uh, females go from girls to women. And that's the normal process in most societies. So what the racists did was look at that and said, well, you, you, when you have a system of racism, you only have one man and one woman category. And that would be the masters themselves. You can't have your victims of the system growing in the manhood and womanhood. So if they start trying to be men, if they go from boys to men, now you have a problem. You have a bigger problem than you had before. When they were boys, they were completely dependent on you. They understood that they'll do your bidding. 
and they're easier to control. Same way with the girls who are trying to be women. But when they start thinking that they are men, you're not going to have but one man in the house of white supremacy, and he's got to be white. And you're not going to have but one woman, and she has to be white. So now it, it defies logic that you would allow them to go from boys to men. So if you're not going to allow them to go from boys to men, what will you allow them to do? Because they are constantly growing, they are constantly getting smarter, and they have a natural tendency to want to break away from boyhood and to become men. Say, so what you do is divert them away from wanting to become men and have, if it's a male, have him go from boyhood to femalehood. In other words, he changes his gender altogether, at least in his mind. Then he's easier to control. Then you do the same thing with the female. Take the black female, and rather than allow her to go the normal progression of things, steer her in the direction away from becoming a woman and in the direction of becoming a male. In other words, she will switch genders in her mind. Now, her body didn't switch genders, but we can probably do some things that give her the illusion that her body can be made to switch genders too. Now, when you do that, what you have is confusion. You have added confusion. And one of the best ways to control people for a long period of time, particularly if you confuse them sexually, is through confusing them sexually so that you have a male thinking he's a female or wanting to be a female, even if he's struggling and trying and whatnot and trying to do everything that a female does, but he doesn't have the... He's, doesn't have the uh, physical equipment but he's got it in his mind anyway he's just determined he's going to act like one and be one and do the things that females do and look at males like like a female looks at males normally and then over in the female column have the female do the same thing only thing about it she's not going to try to grow into womanhood she's going to try to do everything that she sees males doing including in the bedroom. Hmm. Try to become an artificial male. And she can do this in her mind because the mind is very flexible. A person can actually think that they are a bird if they want to. But before they try to fly or jump off a building, it's best that they get their equipment for doing so. <laughs> you know. So that's the way that works. And when you can get people on that role and when you have people subject to you, you can always propagandize anything. You can make anything look like it's the fashion because you set the rules for the society. So that's what's going on. I tried to be uh, as comprehensive as I possibly could in that description. And I hope yes, that people could understand what was being said. Yes, sir. So that's what we have. So this concludes another episode of the Black Perspective Podcast. I thank you for tuning in. Again, this is your host, Shaka the God. I'll see you next time. More content. Hoping to have some guests in 2019. Thanks for tuning in.